Okay, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Thank you. Uh, my name is Ryan Schreckengast, uh, and I am one of the uh, people who had the pleasure to be on the Japan Perspectives trip this year. Um, and we, this morning, wanted to share with you just a little bit of what God was showing us um, in the past month. Uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you to all of you guys who are here. Uh, you all, as the body of Christ, have made this trip possible. Without you, we would not have been able to do this phenomenal, phenomenal thing. Um, your financial support, your emotional support at many times during the process, your prayers, your time, uh, the blessing that you gave us to go and to send us out from the church has just been amazing. Uh, and we really, really want to thank all of you guys uh, for the work. This really was an us trip. It wasn't just us, the three of us. It was us the body of Christ. So thank you so much. On this trip, we called this trip our Japan Perspectives trip. Uh, and the reason was that we had basically three goals uh, of what we wanted to accomplish when we went. We wanted to gain perspective on what God is doing in Japan, in the hearts of his church and amongst the lost. We wanted to gain perspective on the Adairs and their unique blessings and challenges that they face living and loving the Japanese people. And we wanted to gain perspective on God's character through the unique and the uniquely beautiful aspects of the Japanese culture. And today we're going to share just a few of the things that we observed uh, and some of the stories of the people that we met there uh, but I wanted to start briefly with just a quick word of caution. Uh, as Dan said, he, he warned us to beware the familiar. Uh, and God answered all of our prayers uh, on all of these counts of giving us new perspectives on these things. But after two weeks, we felt very familiar uh, with the Japanese culture. And the temptation for us is that now that we feel like we are familiar with Japan, uh, but two short weeks does not even compare to the unique understanding that our full-time missionaries, the Adairs, have who live in the culture of Japan. And even their years of service and their fluent Japanese only gives them a small window into a small corner of the extremely complex things that God is doing. Um, we got to spend some time there, but we don't have this full perspective of what God is doing. And in fact, to say that we do would be like claiming that we understand Japan by just understanding one of the tiny little tiles uh, in this mosaic that we got to see while we were there. Uh, but even though we don't understand all that's going on or see the whole picture, God does. Uh, he is big enough to understand what he is doing among the people of Japan. Uh, and we hope that what he is doing there, we can share just our small perspective and that maybe even you today will feel his spirit tugging at your hearts uh, to participate with him and to be used by him in the work that he is doing. So that being said, we're going to share just a little bit of these new perspectives that we have, uh, and I'm going to start on a new perspective uh, of what God is doing in the church in Japan. 
So one of the things that Roberta Adair, who is the missionary, Robert and Roberta were the missionaries who we were visiting, and Roberta shared with us an illustration uh, that the being a Japanese Christian is like swimming upstream in a river against a cultural current that is centuries old and immensely powerful. Uh, she shared this illustration that this is like a river that is just cascading towards a waterfall that no one can survive at the end. A, a permanent separation of Jesus from Jesus Christ. Uh, and the Japanese people are immensely proud of their national identity, their heritage. And there's a major challenge in this in sharing the gospel because it is seen that Christianity is a foreign religion. This is not a, a viable... To be Japanese means to be Shinto slash Buddhist. Uh, and to become a Christian, you are essentially agreeing to separate yourself from what it means to be Japanese. Uh, and although the government allows uh, the freedom of religion, and it may not seem on the surface that there is a lot of persecution, uh, those who choose Christ choose to separate themselves from that Shinto and Buddhist tradition uh, that saturate all of life uh, from, from births to death uh, in the Japanese culture. Uh, and this is a tree uh, that we saw while we were there at a Shinto shrine. And this tree itself is over 700 years old. Okay, this tree has been around more than three times as long as our country, like the entire United States. Uh, and this is what people are identifying with and the huge pressure, the current to follow along with what has always been done. This is just one small example that we saw while we were there. And Roberta shared this river analogy with us because she feels that as a foreigner, she's standing on the banks of this river, throwing life rafts, throwing life preservers to people, and just encouraging them, keep swimming, don't stop swimming. And so much of the challenges that the Japanese Christians face is that everything that they are in is, is pushing against their belief in Jesus Christ. And so this is one of the reasons uh, that no matter, no matter how uh, much time that Robert and Roberta spend there, they will never be native Japanese people who have to swim against this current. And so she could step out into this river a few steps, maybe even covering her ankles, but she feels like she will never be in the center of that river. But she and we can help those who are there to keep swimming, not to give up, uh, and can even give them uh, some of what they need to, to encourage them to keep on going. And this is one of the reasons that the Adairs are committed to working, to supporting the local Japanese church, specifically under the leadership uh, of Otomo-sensei, who, uh, who is one of the, the Japanese pastors that leads their congregation and a number of local congregations in Japan. Uh, he does know what it is to struggle every day, and he has been a champion for Christ among his people. And so Robert and Roberta support him and encourage him in the work that they're doing in Japan. And so even though some of these shrines that we got to see seem ancient and enduring, there are these small group of faithful Japanese Christians who know that as old as these things seem, 
They are nothing before the creator of all things. They are willing to serve faithfully and to swim against that cultural current because they know the one who really created all of these things uh, of this beautiful country, these islands that are, are truly breathtaking. They see who really made them, and that encourages them to endure in the face of this cultural pressure. While we were there, we got to go to an iris festival, uh, which was basically just these fields and fields of beautiful irises celebrating the beauty of these things uh, that exist. Uh, and it reminded me of Luke 12, 27 through 28. For those of you who read Japanese, there it is uh, on the right. Um, Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? So the Japanese church recognizes the author of these things, and and they know that This small beauty is just a tiny thing that God has created. And how much more God loves the Japanese people that he will support them and will send missionaries and will will call people to himself from out of their people uh, to praise him. This is the creator. This was at Matsushima Bay. It was beautiful. And God made this not to to be worshiped on its own, but to point to who he is. And so the Japanese church endures because they know the creator. And so even aspects of the worship that seems familiar to us here, uh, we got to go to, uh, to church on two Sundays, one of which we helped in the children's ministry, uh, and the other one we got to hear a sermon by Robert, who's there uh, preaching in Japanese. Uh, and this looks very familiar. I mean, this, this could have been a church uh, pretty much anywhere else. Uh, but what is so special and beautiful about this uh, is that it is in the heart of this river. This is a rock standing there as the waters flow around it. Uh, Robert was preaching this Sunday on how, uh, how important it was to be able to tell friends and family what a difference that Jesus has made in their life. And that's something that we have in common here. There's, there's nothing. I was struck by the fact that the, the relational challenges that are faced by the Japanese Christians are very different from ours. Uh, and Caitlin will be sharing a little bit more about that in a second. Um, but it's the relationship with Jesus Christ that is the most important thing and that brings life-giving changes to the people in Japan, both now in their current lives and for eternity. Uh, these kids who we spend a lot of time with, some of them know Jesus and others do not. But Jesus knows every single one of them. And he knows their parents. And he knows their grandparents. And he is desperate to be known by them. And so we got to see and participate just a little bit in this process that God is working in Japan of bringing not just the children, but the elderly and the workers and the fathers and all of these people uh, into a newer and deeper relationship with him. 
Uh, one more image that I just wanted to show you guys uh, as a contrast. This is one of the Shinto shrines, and it's pretty hard to see, but here is an offering that was made at the shrine of some green tea uh, and some rice in a little bit of a leaf. And these were often left at the shrines. Um, the, the people would go to a shrine, and they would just sort of clap their hands um, and, and wish for good fortune. Um, and, and hope that by, by giving this offering that they would experience good fortune throughout the day or, or, or longer. Um, and this was the only shrine that we got to see as we were walking on this path where we see this offering that had been left there and not taken away by somebody. Uh, and this tea and this rice, they were rotting. They were literally just sitting there rotting, surrounded by flies and, and just getting so disgusting um, as they sat there. And this is an image that has been burned uh, in my mind to just see the alternative. And, and this isn't often seen because it often gets hidden. Um, but to see the result of this offering made at this shrine to an idol that can neither hear nor can, can save. Uh, and all that happens is that that offering rots away. Um, we also got to spend a little bit of time doing some work uh, repairing a building um, that the church had purchased. This was a house, and we got to work uh, do painting some boards and cleaning bathrooms that had been damaged and left for many years basically vacant. Um, and one of the things that we really felt was that this project uh, was kind of a microcosm of uh, what it's like to be a Christian in Japan. The two people uh, standing behind us, they are Chiba-san and Chiba-san. Uh, you use the last name uh, and, and the honorific son. So uh, both of these, these people are just beautiful, faithful servants of God um, who are restoring this house. And they've come together, their husband and wife, they come together and they have been working just faithfully, quietly preparing this place for people to live. Uh, and that's what it feels like a lot of times in the church that we were visiting is just people quietly and faithfully enduring in the face of great oppression uh, to do the work of the kingdom. And so we were honored to, to participate just very humbly in cleaning bathrooms and, and painting uh, this to protect it from mold. Uh, and it was, it was really an honor to serve in the way that God is calling so many Japanese believers to serve uh, while they're in Japan. So that brings us to uh, this new perspective on relationships, uh, and I'm going to invite Caitlin up to share a little bit more about that. All right. Hello. Like Ryan said, I'm here to talk about what we learned about relationships in Japan, both with the Japanese and with the foreigners there in Japan. Um, this is a shrine that we just randomly came across as we were walking to the mall, and um, it kind of reminds me of um, a connection between what Ryan was talking about and what I'm mainly going to be talking about, and that's loneliness in Japan. Um, so um, something that we really observed, and then also Roberta and Robert got to tell us about, um, was the difference between the relationships when you're a kid and then when you're in high school and then whenever you're an adult. And we kind of saw this even on the trains um, and with the kids, like, in the church and at the children's center. But whenever you're young, it seems like all these Japanese kids were getting along well with each other. I really love to spend time with each other and playing with each other. And then whenever we're on the trains, um, some middle school kids and I think some high school kids were coming back on the trains um, late at night, like at 8.30 p.m., 
And they were like more in separated groups. Some of them were like texting on their phones. Some of them were, you know, in just small groups of people, but not really talking like as a whole. Um, And then whenever we look at the adults, um, you see and you find out that they don't really have close friends. Um, The people on the trains usually just sleep and they don't really talk to each other. They've just trained themselves to sleep. Um, But even more than just observation, um, we've learned that um, there are present mothers and there's absent fathers in a way there. Um, And a lot of that has to do with the work culture in Japan um, and how um, you're kind of sucked into pleasing your boss, um, excelling, doing really well um, at your job, and staying really late at um, your work. Um, so a lot of the mothers that I got to speak with, I would ask them, like, oh, like, when did your husband get home? <laughs> because I just, we just always saw mothers with their kids, and we never really got to meet many husbands. She said, oh, like, uh, he's coming home probably around 10, which is, like, early um, this week, but next week he'll get home much later. Um, that's a lot of pressure because um, for Japanese mothers, there's this expectation to make every meal from scratch, to be the person who's there parenting the kids. Um, If they're working, which a lot of the women need to work because Japan's population is shrinking, um, then they usually don't have like a daycare or a babysitter and they need to juggle. Um, And if they do, then they need to be the people to take off of work to um, to, um, get their kids. Um, so there's a lot of pressure, and there's um, inter intergenerational um, homes. So if you marry like the oldest son, <laughs> then you have to move in with his parents, and you have to really serve them and honor them and please them. So there's a lot of pressure there. Um, for men, again, like at work, um, it can be very lonely to to not want to stay all night. But <laughs> whenever your boss says, "Let's go out drinking," you kind of Um, feel the pressure to do that. Um, And even just students um, have extreme pressure to excel. And um, this is a picture from a Starbucks that we went to like twice. (laughs) And it was a really big Starbucks. Um, And we were the only people that it seemed like we were the only people there who were just there to talk to each other. Like everybody else was working on things by themselves. There was so much one person seating and there was very little seating for groups um, and we thought that was just a very big contrast to what it's like here. Um, so another part of loneliness is the feeling of being an outside person when you're a foreigner or a, a gaijin, they have a turn for it. Uh, we There was a man who even called us gaijin there. Um, and so Japan is a very homogeneous country. Um, so coming from outside of Japan, It's just kind of this feeling of, I don't belong here. (laughs) Um, But people are very polite. um, And to be a Japanese Shinto Buddhist is kind of like what you see all around you. And that's what people understand around them. But the Adairs are there as American Christians. And they're also pretty tall, too. So even physically, they, like, really stick out. And I could just imagine, like, how that can be an obstacle to some of the relationships that they're building. Um, and how they can really feel lonely in the middle of all of these relationships that they're trying to build. Um, this is a picture of Sendai, a city we went to. 
And in my blog that I wrote about this trip, I mentioned that I was the only person with a red umbrella. And I think that's pretty symbolic of how the Adairs can feel sometimes there. Um, um, and then this is a picture of Jojo, their oldest son. Um, and he's like even spoken about how he's self-conscious about his hair not being dark enough. And he wonders like, when I get older, will my hair finally be black? So even that's even in their kids. Their kids wonder that. Um, and so in the midst of all this loneliness, there's a lot that God is doing in it all. Um, and what he's doing specifically in the Shiogama area. Um, so Shiogama was hit by the tsunami in 2011 and was super impacted by it. Um, and God has... And it's been bringing out even more loneliness and brokenness in the people there, but um, God's been using it um, in a lot of ways by showing brokenness in the faces of the people. Like, it's kind of hard to ignore that. Um, A longing for restoration, a longing for hope after death and after ruin, um, and the coming of volunteers to help. So... um, There's been, like, multiple teams to come up and help with relief there, and... um, an example of that is, oh, that's some of the the construction after the tsunami where houses got washed away. Um, but an example of relief and even rehabilitation and development there has been from um, an Asian access missionary, um, the Adair's co-workers. And she, whenever she heard about the tsunami, um, she felt so convicted and so pulled to go to this area. And whenever she visited, um, she knew that she had to move her family up in that area and move from South Japan to this area. Um, And so she started collecting all these broken pieces of pottery that were left. And she thought to herself, like, wow, like these are the beautiful broken pieces left after such a horrible disaster. And she said, what if we, you know, could make something out of this? Like, what if we could make this into something more beautiful? Um, And that's what she ended up doing with this project called the Nozomi Project, where she hired um, Japanese women from around the area. And I think most of them are moms, if not all of them are moms. And they learned how to make jewelry and are selling these, like, really great pieces of jewelry made from the broken pottery. And it's also an open door for her to share about Christ with people. Um, And you just find that. Um, And this is like, I think one of their, this is one of the pictures in the place that says, look beyond the brokenness and see the beauty. And I could really see that in the ministry there, um, about how much she cares about that. Um, And there's also efforts to cultivate community through loving the children. I don't have many pictures of this place, but there's this children's center in the Adair's neighborhood called the Jidokan. And um, the teachers there work full-time, and they really, like, pay attention to the kids. They really love the kids, have warm smiles and gentle tones. And you can tell that they just really love their jobs. Um, They bring kids from all over the neighborhood there, uh, many which are, like, super low income. So they have... 200 yen dinners, um, I think once a month, and that's like $2. Um, And not only does it connect the kids and love the kids, but it also connects the parents. Um, And many people have even said that even like through the Adairs, um, they've 
they've met, they've learned to know many other adults and other people. Um, and then Robert also teaches English classes there, and we had we got to be a part of that, and um, um, also a part of that in the church as well. Um, there's some crafts. One of them says, "I'm thankful for Robert." And then there's <clears throat> a few rarities that we met there, <laughs> a few people who like actually do bring people in. Um, an example of one person is Kishi-san, who's doing the peace sign. Um, she's the Adair's next-door neighbor, and Roberta says that she knows whenever she goes to like a big city or something, and they don't know what Shiogama is, they usually know Kishi-san. And she says, oh, do you know Kishi-san? And they're like, oh, yeah, we know that place. And she's just like really good at knowing people and connecting people. And she's not a Christian, but we pray that she would be and that um, she would use her influence for that. And another person is Hatanaka-san, um, who uh, took us island hopping and showed us the restoration of the islands. Um, and he has a very um, caring heart for the people of the islands. And so we were praying that that he would be the pastor of the islands. And so those are two of the rarities. But um, now I'll invite Steph to come up and share about the Adairs. See if I can manage this clicker thing. Maybe I can't. (laughs) There we go. So we went to visit the Adairs, as you've heard a lot about them. Uh, and I've always been excited to be partnering with them, but I was so impressed with them as we got to know them there and within Japanese culture. So Robert, originally from Texas, and Roberta, originally from Belfont, PA, raising their three American boys born in Japan, living as Christians in a country where statistically there's only one missionary per 65,000 people. What could be hard about that? But they make it look easy. While they were very open with us about the difficulties and the hardships that they face in ministry, they also live each day with amazing stamina and grace, ready to smile and talk and share God's love with every single person that they encounter all day long. And Roberta usually does it all with a baby on her hip. So you can see Jojo, he's the oldest with the darker hair. Benji, he's the middle son with slightly lighter hair. And then baby Anderson up there helping us harvest some onions. Uh, On our very first day in Shiogama, very first day, Roberta took us to uh, see some local landmarks and get a sense of the area. During this time, I was struck by how very many people Roberta talked to because she knew them in one way or another. She took us to this local fish market, where, uh, which is this huge warehouse-type building with about 140 stalls selling fresh seafood and all kinds of seafood products. Uh, And while we were there, in this vast place, she struck up a conversation with a lady who was a vendor there uh, who she hadn't seen in a while. And here she was, back at the fish market. Roberta knew all about her family and that she had been traveling Uh, And she asked her all about it. The lady gave us some free samples of her delicious sashimi. And we bought some to eat there for lunch. These guys were still breathing. You can't tell from the picture, but they were. 
<laughs> and as we were eating uh, at the fish market, there was an older couple who was also eating lunch there beside us and originally started interacting with us because of how cute Anderson was. But as Roberta drew them out in conversation, the elderly man started talking about the destruction that they had faced following the tsunami. And they made the connection that it was the Adair's church uh, who had helped him by giving him gasoline for his vehicle. And he said that because of this, when he sees the cross, he's so thankful. So in a country where most people don't know anything about the cross of Christ, this was an amazing story of seeds that were planted for the gospel. And while we were there, Roberta was faithful to water those seeds as she invited that couple to join her and Robert sometime for coffee to get to know them better. And afterwards, Roberta let us know that he had probably even broached that topic because we were a table of foreigners. Many Japanese do not speak freely of the tsunami that devastated their town and their lives because uh, they don't want to add to the burden of others who also suffered. But our presence there and Roberta's awesome Japanese language skills opened the door for him to share that and in turn hopefully get reconnected uh, with the church that helped him in Jesus' name. Uh, Roberta and Robert both continue to amaze us with the variety of uh, relationships that they've built in a culture of such loneliness, just like what Caitlin was saying. Roberta once stopped the car on a side street to say hi to a man that she knew and ask about his wife who was in the hospital. He was so sad that he wasn't healthy enough to go visit her in the hospital. Roberta was the love of Christ to him, seeing him and caring about him in his, in his pain. One time, whenever we were riding a train with Robert, we remarked to him about all the relationships that they had within the community and how cool that was. And he replied that Roberta was really the one who was good at meeting people and getting to know them. But what made us laugh is that right after that, a girl got on the train who they knew and started talking to Robert. So we were like, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, another trait that I really admire about the, the Adairs, and Ryan shared a little bit about this, is their willingness to not just partner with Japanese Christians, but also to submit to the leadership of Japanese believers. Many missionaries go to different countries and set themselves up as leaders, not acknowledging uh, native believers' abilities or uh, position to be used by God uniquely to grow the church in their own culture. But the Adairs work under the leadership of their local church's pastors. And this is a picture of a cleaning day at the church where you can see we tried to help, but we weren't as, as good as the guy hanging out the window. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you didn't get to read that fast. Uh, so some, some of the uh, intense and potentially very stressful hardships of living in Japan for the Adairs include the Japanese language is among one of the hardest in the world for Americans to learn with three different writing systems. Uh, so you can see a little bit there. And if you didn't get to read, can you guess what it says just from that very helpful bird picture? This was a sign saying, watch out, the seagulls might want to eat your ice cream. But the, the, bird, helpful, the bird picture was a little helpful, but not, not super. It's really tricky. Uh, and not only is verbal and written language hard, but a lot of meaning in Japanese culture is conveyed indirectly. This means that you have to learn enough about the culture and be sensitive, sensitive enough to read the air, something that Roberta insists Robert is better at. And this means that the meaning of words alone is not enough to understand what someone is trying to tell you. Imagine that you knew someone who always had a hidden meaning behind what they told you, and you were always trying to do your best to decipher their full meaning. Now, imagine that scenario with 
every person you encounter always. Just a little exhausting. <laughs> Just playing with the kids. They're also raising third culture kids, which means their kids are a mix of two different cultures, never fully one or the other, but creating their own blend of a third culture. Roberta referenced a great illustration of this. She and Robert, as adults who moved to Japan, are like jars of blue and red beads, the two cultures more or less measurable for them. But their children, though, are like blue and red Play-Doh, this mixing and mixing to create purple Play-Doh. So this means that even their family experiences are related uh, but very different. So add on the complications of raising kids to know Jesus in a Shinto Buddhist nation, and that's a lot for a parent to work through. They battle a lot of loneliness, as most Japanese believers and unbelievers alike do not know how to build and cultivate friendships, a little of what Caitlin was touching on. So a lot of the initiating that they do, uh, it comes from them, not their friends. And so that's a struggle sometimes. But despite all this, there's the boys riding the bus to school. Despite all this, they were really amazing hosts to our little team. We went into this trip knowing that a short-term trip can only accomplish so much. But they did a masterful job of strategically using even our ignorance to help further the gospel and deepen relationships. As we could ask questions as the newbies in Japan that it didn't make sense for them to ask of their friends. Things like, who do you pray to at the shrine? And have you ever been to church? They spent so much time talking with us and getting to know us while welcoming us to walk alongside them in pretty much everything that they did. And it was such an honor to meet their friends, to see their work, hear their stories, and spend time learning from them. So please pray for them. Send them an email if you'd like. Introduce yourself. Tell them you're from GFC. Uh, Encourage them. Read their blog. Look at their Facebook updates. They have lots of things that they put out there. And pray about how you may be able to get involved. Uh, It's a goal of ours to be able to one day send out a missionary or missionaries to Japan from GFC. Please consider and ask the Lord if it could be you. And so now we'd like to open up for one or two questions. Oh, yeah, we were going to do that at the end. One or two questions is all we have time for, and then we'll have to make some space for our brothers and sisters at YKC. But if you have any questions, feel free to ask now and ask us later. And then we have a small uh, coin for you up here in this container. If you'd like to take some Japanese yen home uh, as a reminder to pray for Japan, please feel free to grab one before you go. Thank you. Any questions? Um, I, during church, I had actually asked one of the women, the Japanese women there, um, I first asked her, what's it like being a Christian in Japan whenever there's not many Christians in Japan? And she was like, so confused by the question (laughs) because of the language barrier. But she ended up answering, um, we don't really know anything different. And it wasn't like a very dramatic response. It was just very real. Like I came to this church when I was 10 years old with my parents, um, and, um, like, I don't know anything else. Like, I don't know anything different. My coworkers 
know I'm a Christian, but they're not very interested in asking. And, and so it seems to be like her normal. Um, yeah, so I, I think that's part of it that they grow up. Some of them are generations, and so they've learned it like from their families and grew up believing. Others, I think, are drawn in by uh, friendships with other Christians. Uh, there is a lot of apathy. Like she was saying, her coworkers, we were like, do your coworkers ask you, like, why you go to church and not the shrine? She's like, no. Uh, but a lot of people who are within relationship with the believers, like the theirs, for example, they wind up inviting them to Bible study or they just invite them along to events and they come and they kind of get pieces of it. And uh, so we don't have the full answer, definitely, to that question. And I think it's different for everybody. Uh, but part of it is definitely building that relationship and seeing that um, community and the hope in the Lord that they aren't getting elsewhere. Um, there was something um, that R- Roberta had told us about um, a girl who's in middle school who's a Christian, and she said that she's basically treated like she has leprosy there, um, where not many people do want to like be with her or around her, or, like her friend, and she's very different. So. Yeah, absolutely. Lots of people smile. Um, it was very friendly, very welcoming, very um, ho- ho- hospitable. Thank you. Um, very hospitable. But again, a lot of it was, you know, as as the outsiders, we were not really able to, to read the air super well. Um, and so we would just sort of show up and smile and, and try to help where we could. Um, but I, we missed a lot of that that underlying context. Um, and, you know, like, like Caitlin said, a lot of the, the people would are, are very isolated. Um, and you smile and you, you give this front and just are sort of welcoming and nice to everybody. But, and there's a very big gift-giving culture. Um, I think there was, there was one neighbor who, during the two weeks we were there, we, we gave them a gift, and so they gave us a gift, and so we gave them a gift, and so they gave us a gift. And I think until the last day when we left, <laughs> so she won. Uh, she, she got to, to give us the last gift, and then we won. <laughs> but, yeah. And so they were very friendly on the surface. I think it's when you try to get the to the deeper relationship and kind of go deeper with people is where it gets harder. Uh, people's homes are really private in Japan. And so people will come to your door, bring you a gift, talk with you on your doorstep for an hour, uh, but won't come in. So it's like really difficult to try to foster that relationship, that community and go deeper in uh, a place where it's like, I'll smile, but. I don't know how far I'll go with you in that deeper relationship. So there is a friendliness there, but there's a lack of knowing how to uh, start or build friendship. I think we should probably pray now. But if you had a burning question in your mind, you can still come ask us at a different time. Thank you for listening, and I'm going to let Caitlin close us in prayer. Okay, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for creating these people, these beautiful Japanese people, um, and all the ways that um, we've seen and learned, um, of the ways that they reflect your beauty, God. Um, God, would you help us have compassion on them? Would you help us, even though for, for the people that we haven't met um, or even haven't heard of, God, would you um, give us um a longing to to see them be saved, Lord. Um, God, and so we do pray that you would save these people, Lord, um, that uh, your chosen in Japan uh, would see the freedom that is in Christ, Lord, that um, they would be the rocks 
in the stream with the strong current. Um, God, we pray that you would um, that you would bless the churches there, um, that you would help them work together um, to reach their nation. Um, God, we pray that you would um, that you would support the Adairs, Lord, that you would lead them in wisdom. Um, that you would help them know how to best um, direct um, the Japanese people there um, and the Japanese Christians and support the leaders in the church, Lord. We thank you for uh, the pastors and uh, the people who work with the church and connect um, um, people of the community um, to the church so that they can hear your word. Um, Thank you for giving them a heart to bring people to you and not just to church events, um, but for giving them an awareness of how they need to really um, be intentional with people and um, speak about Christ um, and have that mindset, Lord. We pray that you would build them up. Um, God, we pray for all the people who feel lonely, um, that you would give them a longing to be lo- known, um, and that they would um, learn that only you um, fully know them and you are the key um, to, to um, relationships that connect um, themselves with a holy God and with people who love a holy God. Um, Lord, um, would they see their sin? Would they see the brokenness around them? Um, and would they not be blind to it? Would they not um, be apathetic to it, Lord? But would they see um, the terrible thing that it is and, and go searching for hope um, outside of what it means to be Japanese, outside of the shrines, outside of Buddhism and Shintoism? Um, Lord, we pray uh, that you would just be working in their hearts there, God. Um, we thank you so much for the Adairs who are there right now um, and who are um, pouring out day in and day out every day um, with their family, um, sacrificing um, what could be way more comfortable um, to be there and to love the Japanese and to image Christ to them. Um, Lord, um, the Perspectives team has really grown to love them And we pray that this congregation would grow even more uh, in their love for the Adairs and the Japanese, Lord. Um, Would you help us to do that? Would you help us to have hearts that are softened by your your grace and your mercy and hearts that feel the urgency of um, your wrath and that people are being separated from you every day, God? Yeah, and we pray this all in your holy name. Amen.